college football talk as David Cohn, the co-host of Crane & Company with Jake Crane, joins Bryant, Brett, and Jay Morgan, a college quarterback at Michigan, a tall man that's on Twitter, at David Adam Cohn. Here's David with Bryant and Brett. David Cohn joining us now, the co-host of Crane and Company. He joins us every Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock to talk college football. David, thanks so much for joining us. I want to start off with the college football playoff rankings that came out last night. Me and Brett were talking about it yesterday, and, and it seems like everybody wants some fiery take, wants to have some sort of argument about it. But for you, how much do you take out of the college football playoff rankings that is dropped on October 31st? Well, thank you, gentlemen, again for having me on. You know, I was surprised uh, uh, to see the Buckeyes at number one. Mm. I don't think very many people outside the state of Ohio have watched OSU play and thought, man, that's the best team in college football. Even though they are very good, they're getting better every week, which a championship team needs to do. And, of course, they they could win it all, right? Um, The reason I was surprised is because mostly I didn't care so much about the order that the teams were in because we still have the most important college football games of the season still to play. But I was more interested to see, well, what is the criteria? You know, we sort of do this every year. And I think the College Football Playoff Committee has gotten it right most of these past eight years. Mm-hmm. I think the right teams have made it in. And, um, of course, this being the last year before we go to 12, it just so happens we're seeing the most parity in college football. But then again, you know, we, we said that a lot last year, too. And we, we, we figure out a lot more of these, these really these championship weeks here as we enter November when the weather starts to turn. And it's just, it really is football season, right? The thing that surprised me, though, when it came to the rankings and sort of the mismatch with the criteria is, you know, they put the Buckeyes at number one clearly off strength of schedule, right? Saying, hey, we want to send a message to Michigan and Georgia mostly and some other teams down ballot in those rankings that, you know, the teams that you play, especially in the non-conference when you can control who you're scheduling, that really matters to us. To me, to send that message loudly and clearly, though, they would have needed to put Florida State either at the top or Florida State at least second. See, if you go, if you go OSU 1, Florida State second, and then any combination of Georgia and Michigan, then you're sending that message loudly and clearly. To put the Buckeyes one, then to go Georgia and Michigan, but then Florida State. I mean, Florida State's three-touchdown victory at a neutral site over LSU is every bit as impressive to me as uh, OSU's victory over Notre Dame, which was a true road game, but on the very last play of the game. So, again, the only, you know, we can sit here and say, oh, well, it doesn't matter at all because one's going to play three and we're going to figure it out. But here's why it does matter. If you put a team like that up at number one in your very first college football ranking, I don't really see the Buckeyes losing more than one game other than possibly Michigan on the road. And if we have a situation that plays out like last year where they are left out of the Big Ten championship game and they only have that one loss, and they were ranked number one, how many spots can they really move back if we're having to compare them against other one-loss teams that go to a conference championship game? I'm looking at Georgia, Florida State, Washington, undefeated teams that maybe go to their conference championship, then lose it and have one game. Remember, we saw this last year with TCU and Kansas State, and we've seen it in other scenarios before as well. That is a really good 
recap yeah. of last night, David. And while I'm so glad you're joining us today, I'm a little disappointed because I thought you would be holding the property deed to the Las Vegas Strip mm. after being out there last week, and I would be the the your 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 pool manager at, at the Bellagio. I thought y'all were going to well, own the place. Look, we can still work something out on the pool manager, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the day before I went, I tweeted out a photo. I said the house doesn't stand a chance. And I the very it, next yeah. day, I said, update, the house definitely stood a yeah, chance. <laughs> but, you know, shape. just to recap that whole thing, uh, you know, what Dana White has done with this power That's slap, incredible. and, you know, obviously beyond that with UFC in general is just incredible. So to invite us to be a part of this, to be brand ambassadors for this new endeavor that he has is amazing. And then to spend time with us personally after the fact and play blackjack and sort of invite us into his circle, it really is surreal. We're very grateful for it, and then hopefully we can uh, join them at the next one. Uh, David, uh, really pointed question here. We like to cut up and have fun. Do you think Dana White and his operation can save Bud Light? You know, I save Bud Light, it's, it's going to take a lot. Uh, you know, and I didn't get a chance to talk about this with Dana because we, you know, we were all moving around so fast. Uh, and people, it just so happened this news broke the day before we were hanging out with Dana White. And so people were messaging me, asking my thoughts, asking if I thought Dana White sold out. I really honestly believe it's the opposite. I think this is Bud Light selling out a lot more than it is so Dana White and the UFC. And yeah. the reason I They that, needed again, him. Again, I, I have gotten to know the man personally. I, I'm, I'm friendly with him now, so maybe, perhaps I'm biased, and you guys call me out if you think I am being, but here's my honest opinion on it. I think Bud Light is sitting here looking and saying, you know what? We have messed up so drastically. We have to spend $100 million with the most masculine sport in existence to even have a chance at saving what was, at the beginning of this year, the most consumed beer domestically in the country. I mean, that is an astonishing turn of events. Now, what I wish what I wish the leadership at AMBEV and Anheuser-Busch and all that would do is just to come out and say, hey... You know, this is a mid-level management problem in marketing that happened. It should have never happened. We should have had the oversight. Uh, we apologize. Or even if you don't want to, like, go the apology route to say, hey, this was wrong. It was an oversight. We shouldn't have let it happen. We've, take, we've taken the corrective actions in terms of uh, turnover with the new team, and we're going to put our dollar bills to showcase that we are committed to the American public. And in doing so, we're going to spend $100 million with uh, the UFC. That's a statement I would like to see rather than the CEO of AMBEV come out and say whatever he did prior, which is, oh, well, our, you know, our, our, four, our quarterly earnings report is looking strong, and we're not worried at all. Yes, Clearly, sir. that's BS if you gave Dana White $100 million, which I have to say I would take as well to try and turn around a brand because, to me, this is them admitting they were wrong. David Cohn with us. He's co-host of Crane and Company here, Jake Crane, on Mondays with John Harden on this on this radio station. And David, I love, love the candor. Ask you a question and you give an answer. I love it. Keep that candor hat on though. Your beloved Michigan Wolverines. I think it has taken on a new layer with the the, the photos of the, the coach on the sideline in central Michigan gear. Yes, and look, I, I again because this sort of daily news drop uh, happens. I still have to have a comedic attitude towards this. I'm sorry. What the accusations that are being leveled are 
being done through the media, not from the NCAA. Like, can, you know, when someone commits a crime and we have the evidence, we eventually we, we arrest them and prosecute them. We don't just keep going to the tabloid journalism, which I would encourage everyone to tune in tomorrow because I, I, I'm going to do a segment on, you know, how I think this propaganda machine is actually playing out here. When I hear Paul Feinbaum and others at ESPN come out and say, oh, well, this is just absolutely disgusting behavior, I have to think to myself, wait, doesn't ESPN... ESPN, the one, the the media company that keeps you know uh, dropping these daily news nuggets. Don't they have a financial relationship with the college football playoff and with every other conference other than the Big Ten? So it behooves them to say negative things about not only Michigan and Jim Harbaugh but also the Big Ten writ large, which is exactly what Paul Feinbaum did with his statement. But look, I've said from the very first day of this, I find it hard to believe that the guy we made fun of for eight years around the national landscape, all the the, the khakis and cleats wearing, you know, goody two-shoes who can't win the big game is now all of a sudden the biggest cheater in college football. I personally find that hard to believe, but I've said from day one, it's quite possible. It is very possible that Michigan not only broke rules, but did so knowingly, and they deserve punishment. Now, what I need everyone else to start admitting is it's quite possible that the NCAA is on a witch hunt to get Jim Harbaugh out of college football, and ESPN's in on it, too, because they don't have a financial partnership with the Big Ten. That's what I need everyone else to start admitting, which Jim Harbaugh out of college football and running this guy back to the NFL is a net negative for our sport. I'll say the same thing about Lane Kiffin, Deion Sanders, Urban Meyer, all three guys who I've been critical of before. They're good for college football. Don't run them. Brian to the Kelly. NFL. Brian Kelly. Don't run these guys right. to the NFL. I understand if they're not coaching for your institution, it's natural to want to hate them because it's easier to beat your rival or to beat some school you may have to face in the college football playoff. I love college football. I love college football more than I love Michigan football. And I grew up loving college football as a whole more than any one team. I don't want to see these good coaches who are talented at their alma maters, guys like Kirby Smart and Mario Cristobal, coaching for the same schools they played for, run out of the game because we have some other agenda or narrative that we're trying to push for clicks or financial interests. Between, see, we used to have a checks and balance between the media, the conferences, and the, the, the playoff committees and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't exist anymore, and I think we're suffering because of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you said this with us last week and I just want to, you know, if I remember correctly, you still don't think anything happens this season to Michigan. I know a lot of people like you said in the media that's kind of driving this narrative want to see something happen to Michigan today, yesterday because of this. But you don't see anything happening this season because of any of this. Well, if it comes from the NCAA, which the NCAA, again, has issued the University of Michigan no official statement of wrongdoing, none. Apparently, all this evidence in the world, we know exactly how much money was spent on Venmo. We got pictures of someone on someone else's coaching staff Mm -hmm. and no statement of wrongdoing. Even if they issued it right this minute while we were on air, Michigan would have 90 days to respond, which is after the championship game. So the Big Ten would either need to get involved or the university would have to somehow take whatever evidence there is and say, hey, our football program is responsible for cheating or or, or whatever, Uh, even though I'm hearing from inside sources that Jim Harbaugh's new contract is now on the fast track. You can't tell me that a university that prides itself on such reputation and dignity would be doing that if they thought that Jim Harbaugh uh, was actually breaking the rules. Now, in terms of, you know, somebody being on the sidelines, again, 
what's what's trying to, what's happening here is the the media is, is trying to hold Michigan and Jim Harbaugh um, to make them guilty in the court of public opinion by breaking the spirit of the rules, right? Saying, hey, they stole signs. Everyone should feel bad about that because that's against the spirit of the game. Make sure you hold them guilty in your minds with sign stealing. But then behind the scenes, they're trying to actually get them in trouble with, with rules and regulations by what actually breaks the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law, which is advanced scouting. Now, you tell me how the NCAA organization can have, you know, the, the spirit, the breaking the spirit of the rules, is not in the is not in the bylaws at all. You know, you can. There's nothing against sign stealing or opening your eyes and looking what another team does and writing it down and trying to game plan based off of it. But something that they say doesn't break the spirit of the game, but actually breaks the letter of the law, which is, oh, you're not allowed to go scout your opponent in person prior to playing them. Which I mean, we used to do in little league. I used to beg my parents mm-hmm. if we could stay after to watch the team we play the next week. So. To me, it's all a joke, but I say that in, in that, hey, if, if we can actually get some, some concrete evidence that, you know, my alma mater broke some sort of rules and gained an advantage from it, then can we at least move forward with the process of identifying what the punishment should be for that? We just got through doing grades for this year to, to this day for the SEC and for the hometown Tigers. I gave Alabama an A. Brian, you gave Alabama a B, correct? Sure did. David Cohn, flat letter grade, no pluses, no minuses. To right now, <laughs> what what grade would you give Bama? Well, I was going to say B plus, but uh, if That's you're going to make me decide between, if you're going to make me decide between an A or a B, then right now I'll go with a B with the uh, with the opportunity to move that to an A if sure. you win a game such as uh, this one this weekend at LSU, uh, against LSU or the Iron Bowl, which uh, should be winnable the way Auburn's been playing. And then without a doubt, obviously, an A if you can move forward and defeat, which is undoubtedly going to be Georgia, I, I believe, from the East and win the conference. Um you know, somehow with a new quarterback that struggled early, you know, for Nick Saban that was actually benched in that uh, for that South Florida game, and a new coordinator, and you know, you, you the number what two, number one and the number three overall picks are gone from last year's team. Somehow Nick Saban finds himself with one loss again, an opportunity to win the division, possibly win the conference, and make the college football playoff. The guy, the, the job this guy does coaching is just absolutely incredible, and to me it speaks to his dedication to excellence. Now, I do think, and the reason I say a B right now other than an A is just because I've, I'm, you know, Richard Todd's my, my father-in-law. I've, I've watched the best Alabama teams we've ever seen for the last mm-hmm. five or six years. I can't give this team an A after watching what I've seen in some of those years where they're just clearly better than everyone because that's an A. I think they've benefited a little bit from the SEC West being down a little bit. And despite all of that, they still may win the conference. And then if they find themselves in the college football playoff, are you going to really tell me that they don't have a chance to beat anyone in the country? And when I say they, I mean Alabama specifically, but also a two-loss LSU team. Also this one-loss Ole Miss team who put up, who broke a record in terms of total yardage with 711 yards against LSU. Any one of those teams have a chance, and it's so much fun to watch. Now, for this weekend specifically, you know, you're going to have this unbelievable LSU offense and Jaden Daniels, who I do think will end up getting invited to New York to be a Heisman Trophy um, uh, candidate. Uh, him going up against what is Alabama's strength as well. It's going to be strength on strength there. That's obviously going to be interesting. And then this LSU defense, which I went back and rewatched the LSU-FSU game for the second time I couldn't believe my eyes of, of FSU just pounding the ball on them in that fourth quarter. 
um, you know, is Jalen Monroe, who's been getting better every single week and by every metric that we hold a quarterback accountable, is he going to be able to just move the ball at will against this LSU defense, which has underperformed for much of the season? I can't wait for this matchup, and I think it'll determine the winner of the West most likely. David, last night, almost every pundit said it, and then it, there was even the lower third Chiron graphic of Texas with most impressive win of the year, and that was talking about their win over Alabama. Do you think that was the most impressive win to date in college football this year? For sure, and I, I saw uh, Steve Starkeesian put out the statistics where he was talking about you know uh, being the only team that's been able to go in into Tuscaloosa uh, and win a game out of however many dozens and dozens who have attempted. But yeah, without a doubt. Now and then, when you look at Texas's one loss, first of all, I think margin of victory and margin of defeat should come into play as well. Of course, mm. it's not it's not right up there at the top. But if we're going to have a subjective system where it's not like the NFL, hey, you just you know win your division and you make the playoffs, who cares if you have a losing record or not? If we're going to be putting this eye test and combining it with strength of record and all this kind of stuff, margin of defeat and margin of victory matters to me. That was not like going for a two-point conversion at the end of the game against Alabama. Steve Sarkeesian and them came in to Tuscaloosa, won by double digits. So let's look at their loss. Neutral site, Red River rivalry. Uh, against Oklahoma, you lose on the final drive. You know, you were up in that game, mm-hmm. and you lost. And now, moving forward, you know, Oklahoma has looked worse since that game against Texas, and obviously they had the loss last week against Kansas. And I say the same about Washington and Oregon. Washington, last-minute, last-drive victory over Oregon, and, and every week since then, they've looked worse, and Oregon's looked better. How much of that eye test is going to come into play? And just like we talked about for the last couple of weeks, if you're sitting there with a one-loss Alabama team who finds a way to, let's say, win the SEC, and you're having to determine between a one-loss Bama team and a one-loss Texas who goes and avenges you know, that Red River shootout loss in the conference championship, you can't pick Alabama there because Texas is going to have that head-to-head, and that needs to matter. Uh, David, what do you make of this game uh, for Alabama on Saturday against LSU, the night game on CBS? Uh, both these teams really coming in, uh, and a uh, win could do a lot for them. Oh, no doubt. And I think we're going to be looking at um, potentially the the uh, playing for the SEC West there, even though if, if LSU wins, certainly Ole Miss in the conversation, things get really interested. Uh, things get really interesting there in that sort of triangle. The same sort of situation we could be looking at in the Big Ten East between Michigan, Penn State, OSU, depending on how that schedule plays out. But, you know, I'm, I'm so excited for this game. Um, you know, like I said, strength on strength with the LSU offense against that Alabama defense. Who's going to be able to finish in the red zone? I think both offenses are going to be able to make plays, make explosive plays, move the ball. Uh, the question is when the field shrinks, and that's where those offensive coordinators really make their money, when that field shrinks after a big shot play that you, that you moved the ball down the field but didn't quite score on, Who's, which defense is going to be able to hold their opponent to field goals? Because uh, a field goal in this game is certainly uh, is, is is certainly a win. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the over in this game, and uh, it, you know I say that, but then we were having a conversation this week about uh, is this one of those ones where both defenses have heard so much about the other team's offense that they really just bow up and overperform? Because on LSU mm-hmm. side, especially. 
LSU's problems on defense, they're not a personnel issue, right? I mean, like, Harold Perkins Jr. was, I thought, was going to be one of the best defensive players in the country this year. They had Mason Smith coming back, and so it seems odd that that defense is able to give up over 700 yards of offense to a team like like Ole Miss. But uh, I'm really excited for this one this weekend, and um, if I had to pick right this second, I think I'll go with the combination of better defense, home field advantage, and Nick Saban as the head coach with the Tide. I'm with you, and and last year it was all those things except it was on the road at Baton Rouge, not home field for the Crimson Tide. Who wins in Oxford Saturday, A&M or Ole Miss? Well, you know, uh, it's good to see uh, Texas A&M be able to, to get big against South Carolina and win one that they really needed to win. Jimbo couldn't afford that loss. I, I think uh, – this one will be interesting. Max Johnson's holding the ball a little bit too long in the pocket for me on the Texas A&M side. And while we have seen Lane Kiffin really fall apart late in seasons, I mean really fall apart when it matters most, somehow I feel like you know this, this Ole Miss team is a little bit different. They run the ball very well. Quinshawn Junk is one of my favorite running backs in the country. I'm going to give the edge to Ole Miss there playing at home. That should be a, a great game, an early game for Brett. Is it, what, pregame starting at 9 for you, Brett? You know I love early. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an early one. <laughs> uh, but, David, thanks so much for joining us. We'll do it again next week. Thank you, Can't David. Wait, fellas. Thank you for having me. Thanks, oh, David. man, it was it was good stuff. Tour de force. Way to go, Absolutely. David. Thank you. 100%. David Cohn, the co-host of Crane and Company. Go over uh, yeah, YouTube and check out their show, Crane and Company. He joins us every single week to talk college football. And he's right there in the mix uh, with that Michigan story. I mean, he's... He's right up there with uh, with the information. I'd been hearing some rumors about Michigan trying to get that deal done for Harbo and kind of trying to fast track it to get it done. But hearing him say that uh, makes me uh, you know know that that's definitely going on right now at Michigan. It is. They're they're going to sign him to a new deal and then dig in and fight. Yes, yes, and I, I think that's what you got to do. I mean, you've been saying that ever since the start of this, and it looks like uh, that's what they're going to try and do. But let's go ahead and get to a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some of these lines for the weekend in both college football and the NFL. That's next on Sports Time. We are real sports talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back into Sports Time. Bryant and Brett in our family leisure studios, and we've got to take a look at some of these lines, early lines for the weekend in both college football and the NFL. Brett, where would you like to start? I'm going to start with the controversial point of the week really being Dabo Sweeney. Mm. Clemson's at home at the other Death Valley, Tiger Stadium, and they are a three-point underdog to Notre Dame. Two loss Notre Dame, four loss Clemson. The defeated team in this one, I don't have a great feel at all for this game, at all. 
I, I don't really trust Notre Dame, and I sure I completely don't trust Clemson. And I, I think the Notre Dame quarterback play is better, so I would probably lean that way. But on Sunday afternoon in Jerry Palm, a regular guest of Greg and Eli on, yeah. uh, Eli's on this station, his bowl projections for this week, he has Clemson in the Sun Bowl against Utah. Okay. okay. I, but that's a big step down. Yeah. From well, for Utah after back-to-back Rose Bowls, yeah. but certainly for Clemson, going into this week Sunday afternoon with the bowl predictions, he's got Notre Dame playing Oklahoma State in the Pop Tarts Bowl. Oh, the Pop Tarts Bowl! What a good bowl, Brett. So, Clemson, if they lose, they fall down a notch or two below Sun Bowl. If they lose, Clemson's in jeopardy of not going bowling this year. You know, they are. Unless they take a 5-7 and seven team, and we may have to have 5-7 and seven teams this year. Uh, yeah, um, but it would have to be not enough 6-6 six and six teams, and then putting in James Madison and maybe one other team that are in that uh, Jacksonville year. State? See, Jacksonville State's in their first year. I don't know if it's Sam the Houston's not bowl eligible. No, were, and they're not were they in that transition. Um, yeah, but I, I think I don't know if it's the same. I think I'm not sure if it's different first year, second year of that transition. But I know James Madison is a team that people are keeping an eye on. If there's not enough six and six teams, they would have first dibs on the remaining bowl game. So it would have to be. No, not enough six and six teams, and then still not filled in with James Madison and any other team that's in that transition year. So, um, but you're right; it very well could get to that point. It, it could, and for Notre Dame, they could look up and be longing for the good old days of going to the Pop Tarts Bowl. Yeah, no, you're 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 right about that. But I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, three point spread for Notre Dame on the road, though. I don't care what you know Clemson is. I mean. Playing at Clemson is is tough, so I I don't know I don't have a good feel for this either. Well, it, well, it should be that that that's one one game and that, that's an early game Saturday. There there are a lot of good eleven o'clock games. Yeah. Rutgers at home in Piscataway, eighteen and a half point dog against number one Ohio State. And I I now after CFP comes out, it, it, isn't that how you would call rankings? I, I go off that. Yeah. And AP and coaches poll days are over. And that seems like what most are doing. I'm a, I'm on a sports book right now, looking at these lines, and and they have the rankings as the college football playoff rankings. So seventh rated Texas at home at DKR against Kansas State, twenty third rank Texas, a four point favorite. Ole Miss at home Saturday morning at eleven. These are all eleven o'clock games. Crazy. What what, what, really what a good. way to start today. Yeah. Ole Miss a three point favorite over A and M. We talked about Notre Dame and Clemson. That also at eleven. Tennessee's at eleven. Thirty five and a half Ooh, over boy. UConn. Mm, that's a big, big number. Hope they cover it. Boy, Vegas didn't put that half in there just for giggles. Uh-uh. No, no, no. They, Vegas usually knows. Got what a feeling doing it comes into play, don't uh-huh, you? I think so. Yeah, they usually know what they're doing. They usually get it right. They really do. They got the long slide rules uh-huh. out right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> they do. You think anybody, have you ever seen a slide rule, Brian? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Oh yeah. You ever used a protractor? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Good. 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 They're still teaching something in school, Brett. Uh, well, I know that, but just, just different ways to teach now. Very, it's very different. Well, I mean, heck, I can remember when an abacus was around. Well, man, now you're now we're going back a little ways. <laughs> yeah, I, had to, I had to go to the one-room schoolhouse, didn't I? <laughs> I had to. Georgia, 15-and-a-half at home against Mizzou. 
This is Mizzou's prove it time, isn't it? Sure, absolutely. This is a massive game for uh, for Missouri, one hundred percent. And the hometown Tigers Saturday, a big favorite uh, Saturday afternoon, two o'clock kick, uh, thirteen and a half over USF. Yeah, I mean. You know, two touchdowns. Um, South Carolina has been, it, it's been weird. South, or excuse me, South Florida has been hard to figure out this year because they'll go out there and, and get blown out by a couple of scores or, or they'll go out there and blow out an opponent by a couple of scores. So, I mean, it's really hard to, to kind of figure this South Florida team out. We know, um, with Golosh in there now, uh, from, from Tennessee kind of mm-hmm. bringing in that high powered up tempo offense. But, um, you know, obviously first year still working some things out. But, you know, maybe I, I think this line was 14 or 14 and a half earlier this week. So going down a little bit, maybe like it under two touchdowns. A friend of mine texted me when we were doing grades. He said, Brett, no way on A for the Tigers. Now, mm. and it, it, he was nice about it. And he asked this question. And he said, won't you throw this out? So I'm getting ready to. Text line, jump on this if you'd like. What's the Tigers' banner win this year? Mm, interesting. I, I don't know. What's it Pick one. I, oh, man. Um, That's six to choose from. Sure not Bethune-Cookman. Certainly not Bethune-Cookman. Not Arkansas State. No. Not Navy. No. I, not I, last week. Well, I mean... Is it Boise? And Boise's not very good. Yeah, I'd probably have to say it's Boise. I mean... I would, too. But, I mean... In control, gave it away, held on. Yeah. No, no, no. I I, I, I improperly described that. Behind, came back, were comfortably ahead, held on. Yeah, I mean, I would would probably say that because, I mean, down Uh 17-0, got put in a hole, able to come back... And win that game. People were ready uh, to be outraged easy. that day. They were, and, and that, and looking at that score now, thirty-five, thirty-two. That game was not a three-point game. I mean, the Tigers were up by ten, and Boise State scored with thirty seconds left. Um, so I mean, they were they were leading comfortably in the fourth quarter. So they were leading so comfortably that my friend made me leave the game before the game was over. Yeah, they were up by by enough. So I, I would right, don't, I, don't ever go to a game. <laughs> I'm not. You can believe that. Um, I'd probably say Boise State. Yeah. And then you look at Boise's schedule, and you try to find their red letter win, and it's yeah, it's, it's very maybe Wyoming. Last week, yeah, maybe that's a, that's a that's a good one. Wyoming's a good team. Yeah, um, I yeah, looking at their schedule, I, I, I'll be honest. What do the college lines grab you? Um, before we go to pros, not not a ton. I mean, I think uh, I, I Penn State being an eight and a half point favorite on the road against uh, against Maryland is interesting. I think. Um, because, Bama three over LSU. Yeah, Arkansas six point underdog at the Swamp. How about this, Brett? I know we're we're mainly doing spread talk here, and it's moved up a little bit. But Iowa and Northwestern, the total opened at twenty nine and a half on Monday, and it's now gone up to thirty and a half. But uh, I mean, talk about last week that un- that total was sitting at thirty and a half. This one could go under again. I wonder how many games Northwestern would have won without the summertime upheaval and Pat Fitzgerald stay at the helm. Mm, that's a good question. They, they've had a better. pretty good season. Yeah, no, I think I think with all the controversy, better. you're absolutely right. 
Sunday, or the NFL week begins tomorrow night. Tomorrow night on Thursday night, Pittsburgh two and a half at home at Acrisure over the Titans. Sunday morning, really early, 8.30 on NFL Network in Frankfurt. Last year in Munich, this year in Frankfurt. Kansas City one and a half over the Dolphins. That's going to be a really really fun game. I hate great that I, game. I hate that I have two to six wake and up two so teams. Early. Yes, uh, so uh, that's going to be a fun one um, overseas. I know Kansas City obviously dropping the game last week, but a lot of things you know. Does um, she go in concert wow. in Argentina now? Jet fuel, no no problem for her. Wait a minute, she's she's at a concert and she's doing a concert in Argentina right now. You mean you're not a Swift and you're not keeping up, Brett? If that's true, I'm I'm shocked that you just have that, you know, right up your sleeve. I'm surprised. I've got Taylor Swift concert dates and Stones concert dates hermetically sealed I, in my brain. I, I believe the Stones. <laughs> um, I don't believe Taylor Swift, but one of them I do believe. It's just not Taylor Swift. But now, before I exit this earth, I want to see a duet with Taylor oh, Swift and Mick Lord. Jagger. Honestly, at this point. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised, Brett. You know, I I've seen things that surprise me way more than uh, that. It, I've seen music duets that have surprised me more than that would surprise me. But no, that's I, I saw Jagger with Lady Gaga doing something the other day, doing a duet. Really? Really? Yeah, well, that's that's a little surprising. He'd be careful saying doing something, you doing know, you, singing, you do. performing yes, a duet. Yes, but no, that should be a, a really fun game. Eight thirty. Um, one and a half. Uh, ugh, I maybe maybe take the Dolphins in that one. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. The Sunday NFL schedule, really good. Seahawks, and they've got this down, that long cross country. Everybody thinks, oh, it's going to kill them body clockwise. Pete Carroll's got it down. Yeah. Uh, they travel all the way to Baltimore. The Ravens, five-and-a-half point favorite over the Seahawks. This this is a, a good, good game. I, I never thought Geno Smith would be in a game where I could mention him in the same sentence with Lamar Jackson, and I'm still not going to. How about that, Brett? The Seahawks playing better football last week in their retro uniforms that just looked, oh, beautiful. Well, who had the better retro uniforms on Sunday, the Titans or the Seahawks? Hard to decide the, for The me. throwback Oilers. But, but Brian, luck. how come all the throwbacks look so good and everybody, pardon the pun, gaga over them? Huh. And then we go back to this dog blank that they a lot of teams wear week to week. <laughs> That's a good question, Brett. I don't know. I you know especially this what the Seahawks. Uh, Who is it out appealing there? to in the well, stink team store? That's a good question. That's a good question. Is their IQ less than their age? <laughs> well, it, it might be. I don't know. But I'll tell you, the Seahawks uniforms they wore last week, um, the more I see that from the Seahawks, the better. But you're right. What, what in the world did the Lions have on Monday night? Oh, yeah. What was it? Those uh, those gray jerseys and the And the whatever helmets. that was on the helmet. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of that. I saw a lot of people a fan of the helmet. I wasn't a huge Ugh. fan of the helmet. I really wasn't a huge fan of, uh, of of any of it, if I'm being honest. Patriots at home in New England, three-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington. They have to win that one, don't they? Yes. I. Yes, I think so, especially with the trades that, that the commanders have made this weekend. You, and you new coach so. for the Raiders yeah. on Sunday in Vegas, two-point favorite Raiders over the Giants. Yeah, I, kind of a lot of people I saw on social media today uh, shocked that the uh, the Raiders still a favorite after everything that happened in the middle of the night last night. That's how bad the Giants um, are. That's how bad the it's Giants are. It's the going are. nowhere bowl. Yeah. And Sunday at three twenty-five, the game of the day, mm-hmm. maybe the game of the weekend, maybe yeah. the game of the year. Should be Sunday so night far. Football. 
uh, it should. Uh, Eagles three-point favorite over the Dallas Cowboys. With you on the sideline dressed in your cowboy gear like yesterday, looking like the team doctor. Well, Brett, all I can say, wrong team favorite in this one. You know, it's uh, I don't know what, what Vegas had. You know, I don't know what information they got. It was bad information. Cowboys are going to win this game. What's the money line sitting at right now? Plus 136. Take it, run to the bank, and then listen for Micah Parsons' podcast on whenever he drops it. How hard one? A.J. Brown, is he in serious MVP candidacy? Um, I'm going to say no, just because that, that award. No has, wide receivers ever won the MVP exactly. in 67 years. Yeah. And if Jerry Rice and Calvin uh-huh. Johnson didn't do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what he's done has been unbelievable. I mean, it, it's been great, but. On pace for almost 2,000 yards receiving. Incredible. 1995. And, and this exactly. record of six weeks of Can over you tell I prepared for Rebels in the NFL you on did. Sunday? Well, a, a good Rebels in the NFL <laughs> to be, you. to be talking about A.J. Brown and what he's done. Making history um, in the and NFL. I know you're listening. That's right. You know I I, I love it. Because <laughs> you have to. Um, I, I right. do. Yes. Um, or if I don't, uh, Connor usually tells me about the rebels in the NFL. What are y'all so, are listening? Uh, yes, one of uh, one Run of us are, are uh, running the game. What do you think about this one, uh, Brett? Before we get to a break, uh, Sunday night football: Bills on the road against Cincinnati. Uh, two point favorite for the Bengals at home on Sunday night football. Coming off a, a big win last week. Three straight for the Bengals, and they're doing what they always do, kind of getting back after digging an early hole and and, and, and then recovering, reinvigorated. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I I like the Bengals, what they're doing. You mentioned. I love Burrow. He's he's so good. He is so good. And then it seems like he's healthy now, which is is huge. Um, But you mentioned it uh, earlier this week, and you just kind of mentioned it again right now of kind of doing what they always do. It's always kind of a. A slow start for the Bengals, and then they really turn it on, and it, and it looks like that's what they're doing right now. I think Joe Burrow is the most successful quarterback right now in the NFL that didn't come in to a conducive to ready-made situation. Look, mm-hmm. Mahomes is great, but Kansas City was not threadbare. Right? They they were not. They were Baltimore, Lamar, great story, but Baltimore wasn't destitute. Right. Burrow walked into Cincinnati and saved a franchise. Sure did, and and became uh, the the man in Cincinnati. And, and what he's done there I mean, has been fun. What Jalen Hurts has done in Philadelphia is yeah, yeah. remarkable. But they weren't, you know, they they weren't just zeroville. Yeah, no, not, especially the Eagles. Far from it. But uh, those are some of the early lines for the weekend as it is uh, quickly quickly approaching. But let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, it'll be time for big number of the day. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. All right, Brett, I think uh, we make it two days in a row, and we let you go first today. I'm all set. My big number is four. Okay. Ohio State number one last night in the college football playoff ranking. That's the, that's the fourth time ever. 
for the Buckeyes to beat ranked number four. Here's, here's all wow. the rankings all time. Bama leader by a mile at 24. Georgia with 12. Clemson with eight. Take that, Tyler. Uh, four times ever for Ohio State. Three times back to the halcyon days of 2014, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, three weeks at number one, LSU three, and Tennessee one last year. Wow. Wow. I uh, I have two big numbers today, um, both coming from baseball, Brett, which uh, this might be the last second to last day I can use a baseball big number. Nothing for, says baseball on November 1st, uh, does it? That, you're right about that. Um, I've got two big numbers. My first one, uh, one for both teams. How about that? I've got one for the D-backs, one for the Rangers. First one will go with the D-backs, and that number is 20. With a single in the first inning yesterday, Cattell Marte pushed his hitting streak to 20 games, extending the longest in postseason history. What he has done in that line, I mean, being as consistent as can be this postseason, it's been a lot of fun to watch uh, Cattell Marte at the plate. My second big number is three. Corey Seager is the first shortstop with three home runs in a single World Series. He now has 19 career postseason home runs, and he is one shy of Derek Jeter's record for a shortstop. And I can throw you some more Corey Seager numbers. He won the MVP of the World Series in 2020 with the Dodgers in the bubble. It would be his second. He, he would join a really exclusive class of, of two time, there's never been three time MVP of the World Series. Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, and Mr. October, Reginald Martinez Jackson. That's a good group to join. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Sandy Koufax, yeah, Bob Gibson, and, and Reggie Jackson. And I, I was look, I looked this up today. There have been seven shortstops all time to be MVP. He would keep it at seven. He's a shortstop. Only one second baseman. And it was the only time a team on a losing team in the World Series was the MVP. And it was Bobby Richardson in 1960 for the New York Yankees. They lost to Bill Mazeroski's walk-off home run 10-9 at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. I, I'm convinced they handed out the ballots and the, the, the press box was all drunk when they voted. Bobby Richardson's MVP playing second base on a losing team. Bill Mazeroski's second base on the team that wanted to hit the, <laughs> one of the most famous home runs in the World Series oh, ever. Man. When did they hand the ballots out in the sixth inning? <laughs> Sounds like it. I mean. Now, it's my theory. Well, it's a good theory. Brett. On a lot of, on a lot of MVP voting in press boxes. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, look, Brett, you know, I love a good game. They hand ballots. Theory. They hand ballots out. Uh huh. Nobody counts them. Mmm. Interesting. They just decide who wins. Wow. Somebody decides. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it's a good conspiracy theory. Because I know of one year at the Liberty Bowl, 1993, Michigan State, Louisville. I'm sitting by Ron Higgins. I probably shouldn't tell this story on, <laughs> on either one of us. And we conflated names. We like the quarterback's first name and the tailback's last name. And he did like the tailback's, you know, he, he, he did something right. different. And we handed them in and, and we, we never saw them on the, the printout of, of, of votes received. 
well, maybe they uh, maybe they look down the rosters and goes, well, there's nobody with this name, so we'll just guess they meant, meant this person. Maybe so. And, maybe uh, so. and went with one of those. But, hey, Brett, I love a good conspiracy theory. It's a pretty good one. I like that. I, I don't. I don't. When when they hand out those ballots, I don't think anybody tabulates them. Yeah, no, I uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, there's been some questions. I do ones. think the Heisman is legit because of the right. the various. What's the fancy word? I mean, the protocol for voting. I mean, they send you a ballot, and then it's almost double, not secret proof to oh, yeah. to for legitimacy. It, I mean, it's just impossible for somebody for it to fall in somebody else's right. hands. Well, I, I remember hearing about it, and and I've I've heard in the past that a lot of people have had trouble um, with the uh, the Heisman voting and and all of the steps they have in terms of safety, making sure uh, nothing's going to be tampered with in terms. And, of And our Heisman. good friend John Varlis with a good note: Seeger would join Reggie Jackson as the only series MVPs on two different teams. Oh, that's a good, great, great take, point. John. Great point. In, in Reggie the same, Jackson uh, with A's and Yankees. In, in the same, uh, Corey Seager would do it in the same uh, ballpark, Globe Life, because that was in the uh, that was in the COVID year. What? Well, kind of, yeah. Kinda. Tonight's it, it Chase yeah, Field. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. tomato, tomato, playing, yeah, playing you're in, right. in that stadium right. at time. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think, uh, Brett, you think they're going to do it tonight? I do. Yeah. I, I think and, they're going to do I'm pulling for it. I want them to. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly pulling for them. Um, I just, you know, Brett, I... I want to. I want to stretch baseball out as as long as I can. I want. I, I want to. I, I want them to do it. But, and I, I like stretched out baseball. But I want to see it where I can enjoy it tonight. And sure. I love yeah. the celebration and the poor Rangers. You know, after. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, get it done and, and win big and you know four one series win in the World Series. That would uh, that would help a lot of that heartbreak from two thousand eleven. I think it would. It would help a little bit, but. Let's go ahead and wrap up this hour, get to a break, because when we come back, we're going to talk college basketball. Kevin Sweeney will join us to talk college basketball next on Sports Time. 